Hello, welcome to Casa of Southwestern Illinois podcast, where we shine a light on the amazing work of our volunteers, staff, and the community. And I'm your host, Cash Tadaramatori. Today's episode, A Path of Advocacy. We invite you to explore the profound story of one of our CASA volunteers who has played an important role in the lives of children who've experienced abuse and neglect. But before we hear from our volunteer, let's take a moment to understand the heart and backbone of CASA. CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates of Southwestern Illinois recruits, train, supports, and supervise volunteers. The unwavering dedication led by CASA volunteers guides neglected and unprivileged children from the court system to secure nurturing and permanent homes. So today I would like to introduce you to Mandy. Mandy, come on in and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, please. <laughs> I'm a mom. I work a full-time 40-hour-a-week job um, for a manufacturing facility. I have kind of always had a passion for helping kids. I used to, uh, years ago, I worked in some schools and things like that. And just seeing the need for volunteers back in 2009 when I first was introduced to CASA, I decided a couple years ago it was time to get back involved. I wanted to get back to my community. These kids need us. So <laughs> so this seemed like the perfect way to do that, the perfect opportunity. Well, that's great. Great that you're coming back to join our team. And so you said your first experience was when, and how did you first learn about, first learn about CASA? Well, I was working a bookkeeping job in an office that shared office space with a group of CASA volunteers. Yeah, so I had, I did not know what CASA was back in 09, but we're sharing that space. A director of the program at the time, we were kind of friends because we saw each other every day and came over one day and said, I think you would be really good at this. I think you should look at this. And when I realized what they were doing, I thought, this is right up my alley. So, so I went through the training and I, and I jumped in with both feet and, and I have no regrets. It, it was incredibly rewarding. So I guess it kind of helped knowing someone already involved in CASA. Absolutely. But your first, yeah, but your first initial impression of CASA's role, did you have any idea what it was? Or I didn't, and um, I have to admit, when I, when I was first told what it was, it was very intimidating. <laughs> but then once I got into it, I realized it's really not. It's a lot of just common sense and a lot of just... Um, thinking about the uh, perception of these of these kids that are in bad situations or tough situations and just earning their trust again as an adult. And it sounds a lot more intimidating and complicated than it is. Writing court reports was intimidating to me at first. Um, but again, the trainings are great. And there are so many other volunteers with more experience that you can kind of rely on and, and learn from. And I mean, it's a great organization all the way around. Okay, thank you. So, yes, thank you. Thank you for saying all of that. But during your training, how was that first expression or how was it uh, when you first going into training? Was it a little scary, a little intimidating? What did you think about training? I was a little nervous going in, but then once you get in there and you realize it is pretty casual, it's pre-laid back if they're small classes typically. The first time I did it, it was all in person, but of course then... 
um, the second time we were in the middle of COVID. <laughs> so that was all online training. But the people that you work with are, are very approachable and very knowledgeable when they're training you. So questions are very, very welcomed. They really hold your hand through the whole process. So once you get into the training, no, it's not as intimidating. Okay. And you mentioned you were, oh, oh, you had a job and you were a four-time mom, right? And so you still had time to do the training. How was that possible? Yeah. Well, it was just a weekend. Um, if I remember correctly, it was just, it was just one weekend. And uh, it, it really wasn't, wasn't too bad. You know, you kind of set aside a day or two and, and you're ready to roll. So. Okay. So do you think the training equipped you with the tools you needed to go out there to be an advocate? It really did. It really did. I was actually really impressed with that because you, it sounds like, oh, you know, there's no way I can learn all this in a weekend, but you can. It's really not that bad. And like I said, a lot of it is just common sense. And, and a lot of the training I found too is more about pointing things out that you really hadn't thought about before, you know, different scenarios and what to do in different scenarios. It's more about that than anything. And then, like I said, just learning to write a court report, which is which sounds much more um, difficult than it is. It's not that bad. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it really isn't. And we have people there to help you all the time as far as collaborating. And basically throughout the time as far as writing the court report, we're taking notes leading up to that point. And then we put it all together to come up with. And so... Uh, how long now have you been a CASA? Um, this this most recent stint, I, I believe two years, two, maybe three years now. So roughly, do you remember how your first visit was? How did that go? Um, my very, very first visit years ago. <laughs> first one is always very memorable. Um, it was, uh, you know, in a foster home. Um, it was a family member foster home. So it was, it was really pretty laid back. Um. It, it wasn't scary. It, you know, it, it wasn't uh, anything that um, that I needed to be worried about or was worried about. Honestly, the, the kids are awesome. How many children did you have with that particular family? There were three. There were three kids in that family. The, uh, the oldest of that group is now a grown man <laughs> um, with his own family. And um, even though I haven't been his casa in many, many years, he still keeps in contact with me and lets me know how he's doing. That bond was connected so years ago, that connection made. Yeah. And it's, it's so awesome to see that, you know, that's not, that's not always the case. You don't always get to see him grow up and, and do that. But I did in that case and, um, in that situation. And it was, uh, it's, it's just super rewarding. The enthusiasm in your voice make it sounds like you may have made a difference. Do you think you made a difference in that person's life as a castle? You know, I feel like I did. Um, you're dealing with kids who have really kind of, because of their home lives, their situations, they're, they've kind of learned not to trust adults. And it takes a little bit of work to, to help them understand that we're not all bad. <laughs> We're not all there to make life hard, you know. Um, and that that consistency of seeing the same face over and over and knowing that no matter what, you've got their back, you know. And to to talk to them like, hey, you know, I get it. We you were kids. We make mistakes, and it's okay. And life's not over because you've made a mistake. And you know, we do better from here on out. Or you know, if you need a little extra help with something, I'm here for that. If you want to talk to somebody, I'm here for that. If you just 
want somebody to sit and color with you. I'm here for that. So, um, you know. Okay. Just being there, huh? Yeah, just being there. And that's that's the biggest thing is, yes, just be there. You mentioned something about trust. So with that first family, how long would it take, did you say, did it take for you to gain that trust or comfort with them, which is? It was different with each of the kids. Um, so there were three kids in that family. Uh, that oldest one took me a little bit. <laughs> he was he was a little older and wiser, and he he was pretty standoffish at first. Um, personally, I've learned that those kids that are standoffish have their reasons, and you have to respect that. Um, and I never push. I don't push. I just let them come to me. And it seems like when I do that, it happens a lot faster than if I try to push and try to um, wedge my way in there. Um, the younger ones I've found will tend to cling to you almost immediately. They see an adult that pays attention and is is uh, engaging with them, and buddy, they are on your lap, and you're getting hugs before you know it. So, <laughs> man, it was it was the opposite with me as a volunteer. The oldest boy was like five, and the younger was two and a half to three. It took two or three months for the younger. He would just stand back. Yeah, I could make that connection, but exactly what you mean. The oldest boy would run, hug, we play ball, but but you know, the the younger boy he would but each one a different personality. So that's that's good. And now I mean with that particular family, are they are you still involved with them now or everything is over? The oldest I am, yes. Um the younger uh one was about three at the time. Um she doesn't really remember much. Um we live in a very small community, very small town. So, of, of course, I, I see her from time to time, but she, she doesn't know who I am. And, of course, you don't let on. You know, you can't can't say that. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you, you don't let on because it could bring back some type of trauma in their life. Right, right. And it's a confidentiality thing, you know. So, you don't. You can't let anybody else in the community know why you know this kid. <laughs> so, um, or sometimes that, you know. And so what, what do you know about confidentiality? Where did, where did you get that from? Did that come from? That comes from the training. Yeah. So that go over that um, and explain the confidentiality. And it's so important to remain confidential. So important to be careful who you're talking to, what you're saying and how you react. Even if you happen to see them in public, you kind of have to act like you don't know them unless they acknowledge you. So it's it's kind of tough. And like I said, in a smaller community, it tends to happen more. Okay, so let me ask you this. Have you had a chance to ever go to court? Have you been to court? Yes, um, a couple of times. Not very often. It doesn't come to that very often at all. Um, But yes, I've never had to be questioned. I feel like I'm prepared to be, though, if I ever needed to be. Uh, There's been a couple of times where I thought I might need to get on the stand, um, and then something would happen at the end, you know, right at the last minute, which is usually how that kind of stuff goes. and I never have had to, but I've never felt unprepared for it. Between the training and keeping notes, if you, you need to be a good note taker. Um, and as long as you're doing that, you're prepared. You'll be ready. As an adult and as a volunteer, you were prepared. But can you imagine for a child to go to court? Right. Right. Exactly. With that, you think intimidating or? It is. And they are, they're scared of it. They really are. And, and. I've run across that in, in just about every age. Court is a very intimidating thing for a kid. And so, you know, part of our job, too, is to make that less intimidating and let them know, hey. Oh, I had one family. Kids were teenagers. They were terrified of the idea of having to testify. And it looked like they may have to at one point. I promised them 
that if they had to testify, I would be there. I will be that that face in the crowd that will be recognizable. I will be right there with you. So I can't make it where you don't have to. I don't have that power, you know, and I, I can't I can't make this uh, not happen, but I can try to do what I can to make it less scary. That day, I was sitting on a bench in the courtroom or in the courthouse outside the courtroom, and those kids came up the stairs and saw my face and the relief on their face when they saw that I was sitting there and that I meant what I said when I said, I will be there. If, if you have to go to court, I will be there with you. And the relief and the appreciation on their faces made it worth it. And I just want to say thank you because that's what we want. So many of our children and kiddos have been let down. So when you make a, we really ask you not make a promise that things happen, but you make a promise to them. We have to make sure we're there for them because so many people and things have been let down. So thank you for being there. And then, like you said, when you first saw them, they were like, wow, she's here. She's there. That's support. And they need that, you know. Okay, so what do you think about this? How does CASA work with the legal system to advocate for the best issues of children? Uh, you know, I found, and in, in this, I guess, surprised me, maybe it shouldn't have, but the, the judges have a lot of respect for the CASAs. The judges on these cases, they look for those CASA reports. They want to see what that is because we're kind of a neutral party, you know. We're not we're not paid to do any of this. Thank you. <laughs> this, this is not a paid position. We're not trying to... Um, further our careers here, you know, <laughs> we're, we're there genuinely for nothing else other than the kids. And not that the social workers that work for DCFS and things like that, not that they're not there for the kids. Of course they are. They wouldn't be in that line of work if they weren't passionate about kids. Um, but there are other factors in what they're doing um, because it is a career choice for them. We can completely focus on the kids and what's in their best interest. And let's be honest, a lot of the case workers, they're all overwhelmed. With a lot of, the way the system is, what's going, they're all overwhelmed. And we are those extra set of eyes and ears for the court system. And we work with our caseworkers to put those pieces of the puzzle together. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you remember, what was the process like? You remember being sworn in when you sworn in? Yeah, yeah. How did, how did that go? Can you let the people know, the audience know all that? Well, we just, we walked into the courtroom and the judge was standing there. It was um, myself and I believe two other women. Um, and we we walked in and they did the raise your right hand and we repeated everything and said our names and, and he congratulated us and welcomed us with open arms to the <laughs> to their world. That, that's great. Like I said, the, a lot of the judges have a lot of respect for the CASAs. So now you're sworn in, okay? You've been sworn in. Were there any challenges that you anticipated when you decided to be a CASA? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like I said, I'm a mom, you know, and anybody that gets into this type of thing, it's because you have a passion for kids and you have to be very careful not to get too attached. <laughs> you you want to stay along with you. You really do. And um, it is, it's very easy to get overly attached and you have to be prepared to separate your emotions from doing what is best for that child. Basically setting boundaries, I guess, huh? Yes, you have to set your boundaries. Uh, one little girl that hadn't seen her mom in months and months since she was really young. Um, and apparently I had the same hair color and the same build as mom. And when I walked 
room, she instantly said, mommy, and ran to me. And it ripped my heart out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then I tell you, a couple weeks later, she saw both of us in the same room at the same time. And again, this is a toddler. She's a young kid and she doesn't understand. And she looked at me like I had tricked her. Really? She was mad at me for like I had tricked her on purpose and that was hard. And, you know, it's a very emotional thing. And she eventually came around and good, you know, after that, then she was able to separate it. But boy, it was, I mean, I was, I was like, it's time for me to leave. And she goes, I'll get my car seat. And I'm like, oh gosh, oh gosh. It just, <laughs> you have no idea how bad I just want to take you home with me. Um, but yeah, you just, you want to swoop in and rescue, of course, but um, you have to be able to separate that. And yes, set your boundaries. And set your boundaries. And then that makes you want to work that much harder to advocate for that child. What's in the best interest for that kid? Oh, that's okay. What would you say have been your most rewarding aspects of being the CASA? Um, seeing, seeing the one grow up like that and, and do better for his family than, than what was done for him is super rewarding. I, I just want to hug him all the time. I'm so proud of that kid. <laughs> um, I would say another one was just being able to help. Um, I had one little guy that was in a, in a really, really bad home life situation and the family foster situation he was put into was not better. Um, it was it was also really bad and mostly because they had nowhere to go with him. They were having they were struggling to find a place to go with him. And through various ways, I was able to help them find a better place for him. And they found a family that welcomed him and ended up adopting him. And he is doing so much better now. And I'm glad you mentioned that. So this kind of ties in with the others, though. Is there any one particular moment or event that has a lasting impression on you? Yeah, multiples. Again, you know, every, every, every family, every situation has something that really sticks with you. You know, I, I would say that one in particular is the one that stuck with me the most because his life changed so drastically from from something that was pretty rough to just this awesome family. And um, and knowing that I played a part in that is super rewarding. Uh, it's just, it's so hard to explain. It's just the best feeling to know that this whole, this kid's whole life, his whole path is going to be different because of volunteers that stepped up and said, no, we're not going to let him fall through the cracks. You know, we're we're going to help fill that, help fill that hole and help the adults in his life to make things better. And so for what you're saying, it seems like this could be a lot, a lot of time or time consuming. Do you spend a lot of time? Do we expect a lot of time for our volunteers, would you say? Yeah, yeah, it's probably not as much as you'd think. Um, it's a few hours a month, really. It, you know, they, they want you to visit at least once a month, try to touch base with them once a month. But honestly, I mean, you could do the minimum, but most people, I don't think, do. What's <laughs> um, yeah, all require once a month? But I mean, once you, after the first visit, you're like, when can I get back again? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You really want to stay in contact with them, and you want to do more. I wish I had more time to do more. You know, it was it would be wonderful if this was like if I got to do this forty hours a week and then <laughs> go to work once a month. That'd be great. But um, <laughs> yeah. So no, it's it's really. Um, it's very manageable. 
I will say that, you know, it does take some time. It takes some commitment, but it's very manageable. So how can listeners contribute or support CASA Vision? Do you have any idea what any of the listeners can do? I believe they, I mean, you can donate, of course, that we always welcome that. We love the donations and um, it's always good to, whether that be a monetary donation or um, stuffed animals, things like that, anything that we can help to kind of comfort the kids that are being taken from house to house or or just, you know, their whole little worlds are kind of turned upside down temporarily. So anything that, that can help comfort them is good. And, and volunteer, you know, go through the training. If you can go through the training, it's totally free. Go through the training, and if you still, at the end of the training, you don't think it's it's for you, then that's okay, you know. But I would encourage anybody that has even a little bit of interest to go through the training because I think that will help you make your decision as to whether or not you feel like you're cut out for it or not. And the training wasn't that tough, huh? It really wasn't. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> well, Mandy, you are definitely a great CASA volunteer. I want to thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your services. That's good. So for any listeners that might be interested in becoming a CASA, CASA of Southwestern Illinois will be hosting a training event in March for our volunteers. Please join us in our March boot camp training which starts on Saturday, March 23rd, 2024. And we have a flex training starting that Monday on March the 25th. If you've been moved by today's episode and want to make a difference, consider volunteering with CASA or supporting the organization through donations. Your involvement can change a child's life. To learn more about CASA of Southwestern Illinois, or sign up to be a CASA volunteer please visit us at our website, casaofswift.org. Please don't forget to like us on Facebook and share this podcast with others who may be interested in making a difference. Until next time, this is Casa Dermatory. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.